on, if you were not here, if you go back, uh, Good Friday, I talked for about 30 minutes or so um, on the fact that God's will is healing. He's always made uh, provision for his people to be well. Uh, that's just a fact. He's always made a provision. It doesn't mean that, I mean, the devil will try stuff. Right? The devil tries, but God has always had a healing provision. And we went through the Old Testament and, of course, the ministry of Jesus. Jesus did not minister to the sick just so he could, like, somehow prove he was the Son of God. I've heard preachers say that for years. Well, you know, it only happened in Jesus' ministry and in the early apostles because they were, you know, proving, you know, for Jesus it was to prove his deity. And for the early apostles it was just to kind of get the church off the ground. And I thought, well, then what's for us? You know, you read that, you know. And so, but they, um, so we talked a little bit about that, that God's healing provision. Jesus healed the sick very willingly. I will, I will, I will was his response when people came. He's, he spent hours out there till uh, after dark praying for sick people. Just think about that. That's how willing. And, and Jesus said, I came to do the will of who? The Father, the Father who sent me. So part of then God's will reflected through the life of Jesus was for people to be well. Okay. God is not the author of sickness. The devil is. So we have to remember that. So we talked about that, and I would encourage you, if you missed it, those of you online, go back, and uh, you can see that. I think it's still out there posted, the website, April the 15th. And then last Sunday, we talked about... um, uh, conditions for receiving divine healing. Now, this is important because there are things that we have to add to the equation. Jesus did his part, okay? He already did his part, but we have to add our faith. And I always say it like this. um, The provision is available for people to be born again and go to heaven, but they have to add their faith to that. If they don't add their faith to that, right? And by the way, healing was in the same package as salvation. Amen. You know, we make the salvation party the okay, you know, it's amazing to me. People will say, Oh, I don't believe that faith gospel because you can't just claim and believe things and say you don't see it and you believe it. I'm like, Well, you do that with heaven. People do it with heaven. I mean, they're like, I'm going to heaven someday. Have you ever been there? And I said, Well, no. Well, how do you know you're going? Well, I just believe it. Same package, right? All right, better shout amen or we'll... So it's the same package. It's the same availability. So, you know, but when it comes to divine healing, I think sometimes people, we make it harder than it needs to be, which incidentally, you know, um, uh, when we talk about, you know, faith to be healed, there are conditions for divine healing. The first foundational piece I think is so important is to build your knowledge on the word of God regarding it. Sometimes people aren't healed simply because they don't know. Or somebody told them they can't be. Think about that. Somebody told them, ah, no, no, God doesn't, no. God has a purpose for you to be like that. And so they believe it. And that's what they go with. So it's really important, I think, as we kind of just lay the foundation of this, is I think this is a time for the church, prophetically speaking, that we have to go back and build our, I don't care if you read that verse a hundred million times, read it again. Get a new Bible and remark it if you have to. You know, sometimes we've looked at the same marks for so long, you got to go get another Bible and start over. You know, how many of you know where certain verses are on what side of the page? And then you get a new Bible and it's on the wrong page. And so <laughs> it's true. It's true. But, you know, we need to get back in and get these things out in our spirit. We've got to know the word where the word of God is stronger regarding a topic than our very circumstance. That's what the Bible says. Faith comes, it, it, or faith is the substance of the things hoped for. It is the proof of the things we can't see it. We can't see heaven. Right? But we know it's true. Why? Because we have the faith. That's the evidence. So uh, build your faith afresh. Get the word down in your spirit. God told Joshua, he said, this word, Joshua 1.8, come on, you know it, says this word shall not depart from your mouth. 
You'll meditate in it day and night, and then you shall make your way prosper, and it'll cause you to have good success. It's because you get it in you. If you want success of something that God has made available, his promise, you want it to work in your life, you want it to be activated in your life, you got to take that word, chew on it, digest it, get it in your spirit, feed on it again and again. Come on, amen? amen. Okay, just because you like fruity pebbles, I mean... I like fruity pebbles. I don't need them like I used to, but a man, I could, you know. Uh, but, you know, they're foods you like, you don't eat it once. Nobody does that. You eat it again, and you eat it again, and you receive it again. You know, if you like something, I mean, I talked to a guy the other day, and he said there's a restaurant in town he goes every week. I'm like, wow, you must really love their food. That, but the fact of the matter is it's the same with the word. Get it down in you. Hey, my people die for a lack of knowledge because they don't know the truth. And here's the problem. If you don't have it in you, you'll watch the news. You'll watch the news feed. And I don't care if it agrees with you. Okay, it could agree with you politically, but you watch it long enough, you'll think America's going down the tube and there's no hope. And, you know, they'll bring out all the lying machine on the left and all of this reporting that we hear. And even though it may be so, if you what you feed on long enough, eventually it's going to formulate whether you're in faith or fear. Okay? And so get the word in your spirit. That's a condition for receiving healing. A lot of people are, you know, spiritual pinkies when it comes to knowing the word on the subject. And, and many, for that matter, if I could say it like that. And the second thing we talked about last week was also um, the, the importance of being obedient to God's word. Okay, now it's not like God is up there going, oh, you naughty child. I'm today I'm you got a strike against you so I am not healing you today it's not like God is up there keeping a tally of our wrongs okay he it's not like that especially under the new covenant in Christ we are under the blood of Jesus thank God for that the Bible says if any man sins right we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous so it it it's not like God is tallying but here is what it is is we do reap what you sow the, or what reap what we sow. The, the wages of sin is death, even for the person born again. Okay? Nothing about sinning or being disobedient. So, you know, that's why the Holy Spirit is so good to warn us. He'll say, you know, stop gossiping about that person. Okay? You better get that bitterness out of your heart. Okay? Get that offense plucked out of you. Because all it's going to do is bring a hindrance to your healing. Okay, God loves us enough to tell us those things. So we have to be obedient to the Bible. And I think a lot of times, you know, uh, we read the scripture last week, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 28 through 30. Paul gave the reason. He said the reason many are sick and die premature is because they don't discern the Lord's body. In other words, they don't discern. They're disobedient. And so we don't want to be those people, which, by the way, I mean, you can't determine why other people don't receive healing. I mean, things, sometimes things are obvious, sometimes they're not. But the fact of the matter is what we need to do is get back to what it takes to build faith and get back and look at ourselves and go, you know what? You need to increase your faith. So it's really important. So obedience to the word of God. And, you know, look at our life. Every one of us, this is the world that, you know, they teach no skill set anymore for self-examination. You know, you look at social media today, everybody's got their finger pointed at somebody else and it's always somebody else's fault and this fault and that fault. And nobody could just look in the mirror and go, you know, you got to grow. So, you know, it, it, so that is important to receiving healing. And then we also talked about faith is an important factor for a person being healed. And how many times, this was last Sunday, how many times Jesus uh, told people according to not his faith, according to your faith, be it unto you. And as you have believed, so be it unto you. So Jesus based it on the ability of the people that came to him to be healed. So that says to my lightning fast mind, I need to make sure my faith is in a position where I am able to receive whatever I need from God. We're so back and forth. You know, the Bible says in James, the first chapter, it says, if you ask, ask in faith, right? Nothing 
wavering. For the person that wavers is like the ship that's driven. And let not, in this part, just <clears throat> let not that man or woman think they shall receive anything of the Lord. So we talked about the fact that we have to build faith and the fact that faith can be increased or it can be diminished, right? Faith can be measured. In fact, a person can have faith for one area and be weak in another. I think that's why in this COVID-19 pandemic, I really feel like, I mean, all of us inclusively, I really feel like, especially for us who know, I feel like all inclusively, we didn't position ourselves on the promise of divine healing like we should have. I think we can, how many of you can agree that I think we needed to take a stronger approach, a more, now I'm not saying, I don't know what would have happened, how that would have looked with the government or what we would have done, but at least we shouldn't have been sitting home in fear going, well, what is this cootie? I don't know. We're not supposed to have the same kind of fear, the fear the way the world does. So, you know, we can build our faith or increase our faith in different things. Some people are really strong in faith for finances, but they're weaker on healing or vice versa. So, you know, you can't determine where somebody else is. But what we do need to do is go back to the book and build our faith. Jesus said faith can be measured. Okay. He said, Peter, uh, the devil has come to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. In other words, your faith would remain strong in the battle, unwavering like Abraham. He didn't waver or stagger at the promises of God. So we need to go back to, I believe, and that's why I'm calling it war on sickness. I believe it's time for the devil to be put on the run in a whole new way where we're going to go. On. Now, you know what, devil? You might have caught us off guard the last time. 2020 might have caught us off guard, but we're back. And we're not going to just take it lying down. We're going to build our armor to stand for divine healing. Okay, so here's where I want to go. Go to Philippians chapter 4. The other condition I believe is important. I'm going to hone in on this one today. And then Wednesday night, we're going to talk about our words. Because I believe sometimes our mouth is the culprit of our downfall. And so we're going to touch on that. And then we're going to talk about the demonic connection and sickness being connected to demon power so, and warfare against the enemy. So uh, join me on Wednesday. But today I want to talk about one of the important factors for receiving divine healing or walking in divine health is we have to ask or make requests of God, making supplication in faith. Now let's look at Philippians chapter four. Be careful or anxious for nothing. Not COVID, not gas prices, nothing. Don't be up fretting at night, but in everything, everything, everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving watch this let your requests be made known unto god now here's the thing jesus said something interesting to me in matthew that i found this interesting in matthew 6 and verse 8 he was teaching on prayer and he said these words he said god knows your needs before you ask but then he goes on and teaches us, in, and, he, and he uses the Lord's Prayer, what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer, as an example to teach people how to pray. And in the Lord's Prayer, there are supplications and requests. Give us this day. In other words, we're asking you for our daily bread. Give us this day. Deliver us. That's a request. How many of you would agree with that? So while he's saying... I already know what you need. I'm still asking you to ask me. Come on, we're going somewhere with this. I'm going to tell you. I believe our asking level, if we're going to walk in the divine health that God has designed for us, we're going to have to get bold before the throne of God. We're going to have to learn how to ask God. We're going to learn how to make the demand from heaven. Come on, demand on the anointing. Okay, we can't just pray crisis prayers. God heals so-and-so and then run around in terror like it's not going to happen. That's, that's not going to get us anywhere. So we need to, to our asking. So think about, it said, let 
your requests be made known. Blind Bartimaeus. Now, this was one of the prophetic scriptures that Pastor brought out this year, 2022, the year for you. And remember, Jesus asked him the question. Mark 10, 51. We've quoted it almost all through the beginning of this year. Mark 10, what do you want me to do for you? Now, you know, I used to read that, and I think, well, God... <laughs> Blind Bartimaeus came to you. It was pretty clear he probably wanted to be healed of his blindness. Did he want to be healed of that? Well, I, it, was, it was apparent, but Jesus still asked him to state it. Do you think about that? What do you want me to do for you? What are you asking of me? Even though God knows the need... He wants us to ask in a position of bold faith. He wants to temperature check, if you will, where our faith is to receive our blessing or our answer to prayer. And of course, blind Bartimaeus says, Lord, I want to receive my sight. And he said, according to your faith or as your faith is, so it be unto you. So Jesus has taught throughout the New Testament that we should always ask God. Now think about this. I mean, it, it, it's, it's astounding to me because the scriptures I'm about to read to you have been so flipped upside down in the church world that sometimes we read them as if they are just a fantasy word. Think about this now. John 14, verse 13 through 14, Jesus speaking. And whatsoever, what's whatsoever? Whatever, whatever you shall ask in my name. Now, realize that whatever is whatever God's word supports. Okay, you don't say, well, God, I'm going to come to you and I'm claim, claiming, you know, Susie Q for my wife. She might be married to Jim Bob, but I'm going to believe God. You know, and I, you, you can't even believe that people do those kind of crazy things, but they do it. I mean, I heard a story of a famous preacher that somebody claimed him, but he is married. I'm, okay, well, you know, I mean, it's, we're not talking goofiness, okay? But, you know, it does go on. There's people that have gone that crazy. But, you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah, she's pretty. I'm going to marry her. Never mind that she's married to some other guy. I mean, it's just dumb. But so here's the, the truth. The truth is, is whatsoever means whatever God's word supports. Okay, and we found out already, so this is why, if you've already established the truth that healing is God's will, then when you come to him and you say, God, your word supports divine health, then when I come to you, I'm asking you to heal my body. Or I'm asking you to heal so-and-so. By the way, the Lord reminded me something. I was praying for somebody recently for their healing. And I said, well, Lord, I'm not sure if they have the faith to be healed or not. I don't even know. And then all of a sudden it hit me. God didn't say this. I thought I said it to myself. But God probably helped me to say it to myself. I thought, I went to God. I said, but God, I don't know if they have the faith to be healed. But, you know, the centurion's servant didn't have any faith either. You healed that man based on the centurion, not his servant. So I said, God, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to, Father, heal that person based on my faith. But he said, whatsoever you shall ask in my name or my authority, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Look at verse 14. If you shall ask anything, anybody say anything. In my name, I will do it. Now, I went to a Christian school growing up, and they didn't believe this verse. And so I would ask questions. You know, they didn't believe in speaking in tongues. They felt it was of the devil, and they didn't believe in healing. Healing passed away with the apostles. Or, or, and they would excuse it and say healing was only spiritual. It's only spiritual when it says by his stripes were healed. So I thought, and I found, I thought, you know, I just... I don't know, just doesn't bear witness with me. I, I felt like, you know, Jesus, he healed the sick. He didn't just heal people spiritually when he walked the shores of Galilee. So I would ask him, I would say, can I ask you about John 14, 14? He said, if you'll ask anything in my name, I will do it. And, you know, they would say, oh, that's not what that means. 
I would say, but it's what it says. Yeah, but that's not what that means. I, so then, you know me, and I really wasn't trying to be a smart aleck. I wanted to know. I was new in the things of God, and these people were in the ministry. I figure they know. If you're in the ministry, you're supposed to know the Bible. I said, well, if that's not what it means, then tell me, please, what does it mean? Well, it doesn't mean that, they'd say. No, but that's what Jesus said. Yeah, I know it doesn't mean that. Well, what does it mean? I'll, well, we can't explain it, but it doesn't mean that. Now, I'm just going to say it like I want to say it. We have to start taking the Bible at face value. What Jesus said, he said. And let's just be real. Jesus said some very extreme things. Come on, extreme things. We so soften many of the things he said in our culture that we hardly even believe what he said to be true now. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. And so then he follows up a few chapters later, John 16. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. For truly I say to you whatsoever, there he is again. He didn't put any qualifications on it. Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, does that mean what that means? If you will ask the Father anything in my name, he will give it you. Now, here is how our understanding so often in Christianity, especially the United States of America is, is we have this ideology that you can go to God, but probably somewhere up in heaven, there's this sum that you're never supposed to know about. Something going on in God's sovereign mind. I heard people say it for years. Yeah, but God's sovereign. You don't know what he's going to do. How many of you have heard that? God is sovereign. You don't know what he'll do. You can ask him to heal you, but just know it's highly likely that you might not get healed. And I thought, well, I guess we should just chop these verses out of the Bible. I don't know. Was Jesus out of his mind? Whatsoever. You'll ask the Father. He will. Not maybe. Come on, think about it. God shall do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask. Come on, Ephesians. All we can ask exceedingly abundantly beyond. Not only can you ask for something, but God then, when you do ask, will go beyond what you ask for. It's so good and extreme what God will do to answer you. He adds dessert to the meal. I mean, I, I, you know, that scripture in Ephesians, that just gets me. I'm like, God, are you saying that when we pray about something and we ask you for a healing or a deliverance or a financial need to be met, that when we ask you that not only will you meet it, but you'll go beyond the ask? You'll do more than what we asked? Because here's the thing, if it goes beyond what you can ask or think, that means you couldn't even ask for it because you didn't think of it and you can't pray for what you didn't think about. That's how much God's answer when we ask is a yes. Touch yourself right now. Say, God, your answer over my life is yes. Your answer to my healing is yes. Your answer to my provision is yes. I ask you according to your will, which is healing, blessing, deliverance, prosperity. I receive whatever I ask right now. Come on, shout if you agree with that. And by the way, needs is not just barely getting by. Now, we quote this scripture all the time because people say, well, you know, if you ask God for a new house, you just might get covetousness on you. No, God doesn't want you to live in a dump. You can, you know, the car that barely runs, everybody knows when you get home from work because there's a plume of blue smoke in your neighborhood. 
I don't care what anybody says. That is not a testimony. We've had those cars. Believe me. We had the one that, that, that caught fire if we let it idle too long. It was a Ford Escort. <laughs> we bought that car for $400. There's your first clue. And we thought, oh, yeah, we'll get this car. Some guy the pastor worked with uh, when we were first married said, no, I got this car. It runs well. And it works good with little stick shifts. So I was kind of excited, you know. We got that little car and we cleaned it up. It kind of smelled funny, but we cleaned it up, you know. And I mean, that's the other reason God's will isn't for you to drive a bucket of rust. They always smell terrible. The little Christmas trees can't help some cars, I'm telling you. But it smelled bad, but we tried everything and we cleaned that car up. And, and so one day it was snowing and Pastor and I had to save gas. We used to drive to work together. And I worked at the bank back then. He worked at a gas station. And we, uh, he said, I'll go out and start the car. You know, we had to sit outside. We only had a one-car garage. We'll start the car. And he put it in neutral, put the brake on, let the car run. And we lived in one of those split-entry houses. You know how those are where the living room overlooks the garage? And he's in there buttoning his shirt, and he looks, and there's flames shooting out of the hood of the car. And so, you know, his reaction was priceless. I wish we had cell phones back then. You know, that's what people do now whenever there's a crisis. They're like... I wish we would have had that. I would have captured that and played it for you to this week. Uh, so anyway, his, his face is white and he's running in circles around in circles and he can't speak. And he's like saying fire, fire. I'm like, where's the fire? And so he tears out the front door of the house. My curling iron stuck in my hair and he tears out and goes out to the driveway and I look out the window. There's fire coming out of the hood of the car and he's scooping snow. Thank God for Nebraska. Hallelujah. I was so never been so glad for winter in all my life and he scoops the snow up onto the car and it went out. The fire went out and people are like, what did you do? I'm like, he looked it over, smelled a little bit and started it back up and we took it to work. <laughs> but we found out something about that vehicle is that car, you couldn't ever let it idle in a neutral too long. Now, we never did, you work for mechanics. They never figured that out. Anyway, if it was in neutral, so, you know, like if you're at a light and you're stuck in traffic, you got your clutch pushed in, and, you know, we just realized you get to pop that in first, and those of you that drive a stick shift get this, you pop that into first and just, mm -hmm. <laughs> Just wait, like you're at the race, you know, you're just, and then you can pop it back into neutral and let the clutch off for about, oh, maybe about 60 seconds. This, we did this in the drive-thru too. Mm -hmm. They were like, man, that guy's impatient. Oh no, we're just trying not to start a problem. And, but what was my point? Oh, so the point, the point was junky cars are not a blessing. God likes you to have some decent stuff. And, and so, you know, we're so worried about covetous and all of these things. And yet everything in the Bible shows that God wants his people well. He wants them prospered. He wants them delivered. Come on, somebody. God is a God of blessing. And it says that my God will meet all your needs. Needs aren't just barely getting by with a bag of rice once a week. Come on. You, you have to stand and believe that we serve an extravagant God. He doesn't mind you having a nice vehicle. He doesn't mind... What he minds is when you live on material things and you forget the gospel. That's a problem. But he doesn't mind blessing his people. And, you know, we've been conditioned by religion to just think, oh, well, we got to get by. You know, people go to religious church and, you know, well, God doesn't want you to get too material. Money's evil. And, yeah, you know, but there's always some rich guy in every church. I don't see him getting in agreement with it. I mean, we just got to be honest. Can we ask honest things? But, but God's extravagant. Needs isn't just... And notice, we quote this all the time. Those of you that were raised in faith, Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, you desire. Not only does God give, meet our needs, but he'll meet desires of our heart. Come on, sometimes I desire a close parking when I go shopping. And you know what? I've watched God answer it too. 
Pastor Chrissy has an anointing for it. Man, she has better faith for that than I do. So, you know, can I pick you up if we go to the shopping? I'll pick you up because I always can believe for the parking. You know, she'll get over there and she'll circle right down the one right in front of the store. She'll circle as close as she can and she'll go, Father, we thank you. Parking opens up every time. She opened her mouth and the guy backs out and she backs right in. I'm like... You know, but God, God, he'll bless you. We got to involve him. Sometimes you ask not. Come on, somebody. Because, or you receive not because you don't ask. You think, oh, God's not interested in the parking. Oh, yes, he is. Okay, God will bless. And I'm like, God, I, I like that. I, I like to be able to carry some bags out, put them in the car and come back. I don't want to have to haul it all around because I parked in the North 40. Right? God wants you to have energy for your shopping. So get God involved. we got to ask, okay? God isn't just up there trying to hold back everything. There's nothing in the Bible that supports that. All right, let's, okay, we got to continue. Hitherto you, verse 24. Hitherto you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive so that, that was my whole point, so that your joy will be made full. Okay, come on. Are you joyful when you're sick? No. Are you joyful when you're broke? No. Are you joyful when you're struggling? No. no, he said, ask. I'll do it because I want you to be joyful. Yeah. Okay, look at Matthew 7. I want to show a little bit on this topic of asking. Uh. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, by the way, that word ask is, is, is a demand. If you look it up in the Greek, and I didn't say this in the 9 o'clock, but it is important. When you read the word ask in the New Testament, it is an ask like a request, like a child would go to a parent and in an expectation to receive something. And, and I've used this example, you know, when our kids were growing up, you know, they didn't like come unworthily to the dinner table. They didn't make it religious. You know, John comes home and we're like, is there anything left? <laughs> they expect to receive. Children are like that. That's why Jesus said, unless you have faith like a child, you won't enter into the kingdom of God. You don't enter into the blessing because you don't have the faith like a child has faith. Children don't have to get into a lot of questions. Oh, mom, this meal must have cost you so much money. Oh, mom, I know you worked over this stove for hours. I mean, it might be a can of anymore, but they'll think, you know, let them think what they want to think. But they, they don't verbalize all the things we do in religion. They just get there. They can't wait till the prayer's done before they get to eat the food. They, the, children have a, a conditioning to receive. Okay, this is, this is what. So the word ask is really the word in the Greek to demand. Something that already belongs to you. To have an expectation. And, and sometimes we're kind of like, well, oh man, you know, that just sounds so disrespectful to God. No, he's the one that wrote this. He's the one that put in there, Demand. I already made it available. I believe it offends God more when Jesus already took the stripes on his back for us to be healed when we come to the throne guessing. When we come to the throne confident. No, 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 God. That person not going to die. You said if I'd ask anything. Come on, I have seen people raised from the dead because we paced the hospital floor and said, God, you said if I'd ask anything in your name, you'll do it, and I'm holding you to it. I'm not coming out of it. And this is what the word ask really means. It's a demand word. Ask, and it what? Shall be given. There's no guessing in that. It's a, so the assumption is your answer is Yes. Seek, which means to stay in the presence of, or stay with it. He that seeks finds, and to him that knocks, that's repetition, it shall be opened. For what man is there of you whom it, if his son asks bread, 
will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts, by the way, good gifts, he didn't qualify those either. If you know how to give good things to your kids, okay, you don't if your child came to you and go, oh, mom, I cut my knee on my bike. I need a Band-Aid. You're not going to go, oh, we'll see. I'm not sure it's my will. <laughs> this is what he's saying, right? If you being a good parent know how to give good gifts to your children, or you being evil, you're not even as good as God and you do right. Which is in heaven, will not your father give good things to those that ask them? Now, now look over, let me give you another one to reiterate this. This is Luke 11. And this one, this kind of just reiterates what Jesus said. You're not going to find it in the book of Mark. Okay, Luke 11, verse 5. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend that will go unto him at midnight and say unto him, there's pastor's message on the darkness, by the way. Go unto him at midnight in the middle of the dark. And say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is in his journey has come to me. I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, don't trouble me. The door's now shut and my children are with me in the bed. I cannot rise and give thee. And I will say to you, though, he will not do it because of his friend. Another wasn't built on the relationship. Now, our receiving from God isn't just because we're his children. It wasn't about the relationship. Jesus is saying, yet because of his shamelessness or importunity, in other words, his bold demand, he will then rise and give him as many as he needs. And I say unto you, so Jesus follows up. And he said, in other words, if you could just, you know, translate it a little bit. Got the picture? Picture the guy at the door? He's demanding. He's not going away. He's going to press. I don't care if it's at midnight. It's inconvenient. He's in a demand mode. This is what Jesus is saying. And he goes on to say, and I say to you, ask or demand like that. That same level of demand. And it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. And then he goes on to repeat the same story. If a good father would give stuff to his children, how much more your father? I believe right now in the church, the devil has needled us and needled us and needled us until our boldness level and our demand before the throne has gone down to almost nothing. The Bible says come boldly to the throne room of grace that you might come on not wonder if God's going to do it not guess if God's going to do it you'll come there and obtain grace and mercy and help in the time of need it doesn't offend God at all if we come into prayer and go you know what God this is going on over here it's not acceptable the devil's a liar Okay, everybody in this room at some point, you've had a bad report. Somewhere there, there comes a boldness to say, you know, Smith Wigglesworth didn't raise people from the dead because he mealy-mouthed around on whether God would do it or not. And by the way, you don't go to hospitals and raise the dead if you can't even do that at home with a headache. But truth of the matter is, God responded to the faith that was in Smith Wigglesworth and did according to what he asked. Think about this. Okay, let me give you a couple of examples. The centurion, when he came to Jesus, he said, my servant is at home sick. And Jesus immediately says to him, okay, I'll come and heal him. And it was the centurion that, I mean, Jesus was going to go to his house. And it was the centurion that stopped him and said, you don't have to go to my house. You just speak the word and my servant will be healed. Now that man got exactly what he demanded. Jesus said, that's fine. Your servant, according to your faith, be it unto you, your servant, uh, as you have demanded, let it be done according to your faith. And the Bible says his servant was healed. So Jesus responded to his ask. 
Jairus, you can read Mark 5. Jairus comes to Jesus. And by the way, he was a ruler of the synagogue. This man was, would have been no stranger. Jesus would have known very well. He was a public figure. They knew who he was. And he comes and he said, Lord, my little girl is lying home, sick, on the brink of death. Come. Watch this. This is how God is so determined about our request, our asking. He said, come, lay your hands on her. Come on, what did he ask Jesus to do? Come, lay your hands on her, and she will live. So what does Jesus do? Boop, 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 and follows him to his house. On the way there, there's a woman that comes with an issue of blood, and the Bible said she'd already predetermined, for she said within herself, if I can just get out in that crowd, and I can get a hold of the hem of his garment... If I can just touch his garment. She wasn't asking him to come to the house. She wasn't asking him to speak the word only. She didn't ask any of that. She just said, my faith is where if I just touch his clothes, I'm going to be healed. Every person on the way they demanded from Jesus was the way they received it. Jesus responded to where their faith was. One, it was lay your hands on her. She's going to live. One of them was, if I just touch his clothes, I'm going to be healed. One of them was, just speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. However they made the ass, come on somebody, however they demanded, however they pulled it out of heaven in faith was how Jesus responded. That's why we got to get the no out of our spirit. We have to start getting the yes back. God, if I come to the throne, I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be well. Now, let me give you another scripture. They can come to the piano. Well, two more, two more. I forgot about one, but let's go to Luke 18. I mean, it is possible. Maybe the reason that God didn't, we didn't see more miraculous healing from COVID-19 is we didn't ask God to do it. Right? The church all expected. We braced for COVID. All right. That just went over. Well, we got to face these things. Okay. Uh, Luke 18, verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not, in other words, that always to pray is an unashamed, unrelenting attitude in prayer. And not faint or not give up in other words you don't halfway through stop that's why I'm, I'm not giving up on what God has said about America I've heard too many prayers I've heard too many prophets I've seen too many things there's been too many revelations that have come forth I've also seen a lot of prophetic words come to pass and I see those as signs coming to pass and I'm watching God expose and do and do things and so guess what men ought always pray and not faint over their nation over what God has spoken and declared I don't care how evil the speaker of the house looks I'm convinced I don't know some of them just get more evil as the days go by <laughs> Pastor Brenda that's mean well no you read what God said about the wicked okay the Bible says that they devise ways they sit up at night and craft ways God said you read you just read David what he said about the wicked wasn't all that wasn't all that polite I was going to clarify that and say, well, I'm not trying to be mean. I heard the Holy Spirit say, don't. <laughs> Man, I'd always pray and not faint. For there wasn't a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, avenge me. In other words, saying she made a demand, right? That was what we determined asking is. And she came saying, avenge me of mine adversary. And he wouldn't for a while, but afterward he said within himself, well, though I don't fear God or regard man, yet because this widow won't give up. In other words, this is his example on how to pray. Because this widow troubles me. She won't quit. She keeps knocking. I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. Now, he didn't even do it because he cared about her. He only did it because he was tired of her coming. 
You're like, I don't know, eating his eggs in the morning. I, I, I picture these things. Here she come up the driveway again. Lock the doors, pull the blinds. But God uses him as an example of how to pray. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge says. Okay, if he will do it just because she's driving him crazy, how much more God will avenge? In other words, for God who loves you, it's not hard. By the way, that word avenge means payback, vindication. We're about to be vindicated in America. And it also means retribution, payback. Come on. God's about to kick the devil in the teeth and let him have it. And don't think for whatever the devil has tried to do against the church and the body of Christ with COVID-19 and the pandemic. Don't think that God is not about to pay back his people. Come on. There's about to be a pushback. And it's not just the people pushing back. God! It's going to push back. And you think you've had enough is enough. God's up there going. And you know, he's patient. I don't know if God, God, do you just sit up there going, I just want to see the devil mess up one more day. You know, because, you know, we want to hurry. We things to hurry up and turn around and all these things that happen. And I think God sits up there in heaven and goes, ah, no, wait, the show's not over. I got a finale. Get your popcorn. Go back to the concession stand. Just watch a little more. Wait for this one. Watch what they're about to report tomorrow. I don't know, God. I just think you're doing that. I tell you, verse 8, God, this is talking about God. God will avenge them quickly. But nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find, or I would like to say it this way, because it makes more sense to the way we read. Will he find this kind or this sort of attitude of faith in the earth? In fact, I was sitting over there with Matthew during the communion. And I almost said it to you in your ear, but then I didn't. But it hit me. Jesus already knows the answer to that question. When the Son of Man comes, will he find that kind of faith in the earth? And I don't know. I'm like, God, maybe you put that in there. Jesus, you said that because you wanted all of us in 2022 to look at it and go, oh, no, you'll find it all right. You're going to find it right here. You're going to find it in me. I'm going to have that attitude of faith. I'm going to have that attitude of faith regarding my healing, regarding my blessing. Come on. Regarding my breakthrough, regarding my nation, I'm going to have that attitude of faith. Lord, you'll find it here. All right. You can stand up because this is the last scripture. (laughs) I'm going to read it from my real Bible I printed it in here but I want to go to it actually 1 John 5 14 and this is the confidence or the assurance that we have in him that if we demand I'm going to just read it like that so that you'll hear it That if we demand anything, is there any qualifications on that? No, we've learned whatsoever, whatever you desire. We heard that all day. Anything according to his will. Oh, see there, Pastor Brenda, it's according to his will. Well, yeah, but we already established that his will is healing all through the Bible. Okay, we don't have another book to look at. God's healing provision is already there. And by the way, just to make it clear, God's will for your life is not meant to be some mystery you know the reason we preach God's will oh you never be able to understand the deep things of God and wherever he leads you you may never know okay and and God's will like I hear people say this phrase you probably heard it when somebody dies they'll say oh it must have been their time now wait a minute I take contests with that you mean to tell me They died in a head-on collision and you're going to tell me it's their time? That God picked and planned a car wreck for somebody's future and said that's his time, that's his plan, that's his sovereign will? Come on, that's a lie 
from the pit of hell. We've made God out to be something he's not. And so, you know, people act like, you know, well, God's will for your future. I'm saying, well, you can say that if you want to. But the Bible that I read says, God said in Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts of good, not, not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. So that's God's will for me. So I'm going to pray according to that. Father, I thank you that you have a good plan for me. A good plan for me would mean that I live my days in abundance, that I live my days in health. I thank you, Lord, that I ask you, I demand out of heaven that your blessing comes upon my body because a hope and a future is for me to be well and not sick, for me to be prospered and not poor. And I just thank you now, Lord, that I ask this according to your will. There, glad we established that. And we know that if we ask according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he's listening, then we know whatever we ask. <laughs> that's why cancer's got to go. Come on, that's why diabetes fear poverty we know if he's listening whatever we ask we know not guess not hope not maybe not might be not someday we know we have the petitions that we desired of him come on that's how we gotta take our healing back say this now say I declare war on sickness I declare a war against disease I declare a war against poverty I declare war against lack I declare war against every scheme of the devil now shout if you believe it now father I preach my voice done I thank you, it's well. But I preached it. Now, Father, I pray in this room, we receive now everything that the word promises in our body. We lay hands on ourselves and we say life, virtue, wholeness is our portion. We are strong. We're not weak, we're well. We're not the sick. We are the healed, and we thank you, precious Father, that it's ours in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Hallelujah.